Hey, glad you can make it. And welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking. Now let's start the show, 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 show. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Employee Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Marable, CEO of Employee Cycle. And you know us, we're that HR analytics dashboard, helping all of you HR and people leaders out there get rid of the manual, tedious, and time-consuming process you call HR reporting. That's right. We know that you spend so much time pulling manual, messy spreadsheets from all these different HR systems to try to get a data-driven view of your workforce, and you're always scratching your head and thinking there must be a better way. Well, look no further. That's why we created Employee Cycle, an HR analytics dashboard that has pre-built integration connectors to the most popular HR systems you're all using. So you can view, share, track, and analyze all your data within one place. Go to EmployeeCycle.com, check us out, get a demo, and learn how you can get a dashboard within 15 minutes. Well, that's enough about me and our company, because I would like for you to help me welcome our great guest to the show. So please help us welcome Saad Siddiqui. He's the general partner at Telstra Ventures. And today we're discussing how can software enable the fluid workforce. Saad, welcome to the podcast. Woo, Saad, welcome. Thanks so much, Bruce. Really appreciate it. Awesome. And so Saad, before we get into the topic, we're going to kick this show off the best way we know how. And that's by asking you, how did you get into the wonderful world? Of HR. Yeah, so um, it's actually a, a bit of a windy journey. I actually, after college, uh, helped launch a handful of different nonprofits, uh, one of which was a nonprofit called America Needs You that focused on first generation college students. Um, and basically, we built relationships with a lot of HR teams um, and helping place interns in different companies, um, uh, first initially in New York and now, now nationally. And over time, I've sort of seen the HR evolution um, over the last few, uh, almost the, the last decade. And uh, it's been a very interesting time, especially the last three years, because people have sort of gone through COVID. We've gone through massive uh, increases in hiring. We've gone through now uh, a recession uh, that's sort of like taking hold and seeing budget cuts and stuff like that. So I've been sort of following this space for a long time and uh, and sort of have been investing alongside great entrepreneurs uh, in this space as well. Um, so yeah, it's been a bit of a windy journey where we've sort of like looked at a bunch of different things. And now it's a really interesting place to be just given all the changes that are sort of happening in the, the broad, broader HR space. Awesome. And we always need more investors in VC firms like yours backing HR tech companies like ours so that we can continue to support the workforce and continue to push that innovation in the space. But today we're talking about how can software enable the fluid workforce. So before we dig deep into this topic, Saad, I first have to ask you, what is the fluid workforce? Yeah, it's a good question, Bruce. So I guess the way we sort of think about fluid workforce is allowing flexibility for both the employers and the employees to do the best work that they possibly can. Employers are 
looking to find the best people on a national and international basis and giving them the tools that they need to be the most productive cells. While employees are looking to find employers that are best fit for the life and the goals that they have for their future and their career, but also folks that sort of uh, are employers that are uh, aligned with their uh, view of the world and um, can sort of like accommodate the the life that they want to live. Um, so that means everything from remote work, uh, flexible hours, uh, around benefits, around onboarding, around training uh, across the board um, sort of has to get reinvented. So we sort of think about like flexibility across the entire HR journey as fluidity. Um, so that's how we sort of think about the fluid workforce. It's always great when guests can really just tee up and organize the interview for me. So I want to go over those four different areas that you were just talking about. You mentioned benefits, employee onboarding, remote work, and what was the fourth? Training and um, uh, uh, training as well. Training. Got it. So let's dig into all four of these and talk about how software and tech can really support the fluidity in this area of the workforce. And let's talk about benefits. What does it mean to have a fluid? Is it more about the benefits being fluid or is it more about creating benefits that support a fluid workforce? If you even see those two things as two different things. I think I sort of think about them in a... Uh, in a combined way. That's, so I think uh, they sort of touch both. The way I sort of think about the benefit benefit system is like, if you kind of think about like, say, retirement through the history of the United States, we've gone through a pension system um, that put a, a massive, was incredibly beneficial for employees, but added uh, a burden on the employers uh, over time. We moved to a 401k system and more and more people are sort of contributing to their IRAs as as cost of retirement sort of keeps increasing. Um, we've seen that journey across other facets of benefits as well around healthcare, around dental, uh, and employers trying to manage uh, their costs and employees getting a bit more control over how they sort of manage their lives um, and their their future planning and stuff. And especially given the rise of uh, gig workers, given the rise of entrepreneurship, people are looking for folks that are, are benefits that are flexible to the way that they want to work. People have multiple jobs, multiple gig works, um, um, and they're looking for uh, providers that can help them accommodate their the, the, the benefits that they look for accommodate in the in the way they're sort of structuring their lives and their careers and stuff and how are you seeing companies either in your portfolio or just in the space actually delivering on this to help companies provide this flexibility in benefits yeah so let's take uh, uh, the the healthcare example right so one thing that's sort of been really interesting is as cost of healthcare keeps rising, uh, we've seen a massive increase in high deductible plans from the employer side. And with high deductible plans, as they sort of come more into vogue uh, compared to traditional PPOs, we've, we've sort of seen a, a, a next generation of health benefit providers, uh, folks like Lively that are out there that are providing uh, benefits 
to uh, or HSA accounts to individuals. So if you are have uh, like you have your own small business and it's just you or maybe a couple other people, you can go to Lively and set up your own uh, HSA account. If you are have a a gig work like through DoorDash or Uber or any of those sort of um, ride hailing services, you can kind of go there as well and sort of set up your own accounts. Or it could be used for the enterprise as well. Uh, the benefit for the enterprise there is employers are looking for uh, looking to partner with vendors that can sort of like uh, help employees as they move on to maybe their to different jobs or start their own companies to let them take their HSA dollars with them rather than managing the the benefits for the employees that have may have left over time. So that's that's been a big pain point for employers to be honest, which is managing benefits, uh, things like 401ks, things like uh, the the HSA accounts for employees that aren't on their teams anymore, and they end up having to pay the cost for those employees. So they're looking to offload them and kind of putting the the benefits in the hand of the, the employees that have left over time. So that's one thing that sort of is is a, a bit of a tailwind um, uh, for, for this industry on the benefit side. When I hear people talking about companies providing benefits, one of the things that always comes up is this utilization rate. Mm-hmm. And this idea that we provide a ton of benefits, we customize the benefits, we provide all of these different flexible benefits that you can get. But because it's so flexible, it might not be focused enough for people to actually either know what they want or either take the next step and actually adopt whatever the benefit is. So where do you see that either connection or potential disconnection between where the product and software comes in to provide the offering versus the product and or some component of a person actually trying to get people to adopt the the offering. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if I understand the correction of the question correctly, you're looking for, you're, you're asking, um, how do you, how do employers and employees figure out what's the right benefit for them? based off of this stage of life and their circumstances. Is that right? Well, yeah, but it's also about the adoption as well. Mm -hmm. Because what we're finding is that, especially throughout COVID, companies have been throwing so many benefits at employees, but not all companies have actually been seeing a high enough adoption rate or utilization rate where it makes sense for them to even offer it in the first place. So how do you think about products offering the benefits and either also being responsible for the communication and adoption of it, or is that where the product stops and that's where the HR team or whoever's responsible for this initiative picks up the ball to then try to get their employees utilizing the offering? Yeah, I think, honestly, data and analytics is sort of core at that, right? So employers need to sort of understand which benefits are being used by what kind of employees and just kind of having a better understanding of um, of employee like employee engagement with the, those benefits it, that all starts with data um, and what we sort of noticed seen in our our analysis is some of the younger uh, uh, or some of the younger uh, employees, they're not necessarily using, they end up getting the the 
the triple gold star healthcare benefits, but they probably go to see the doctor maybe once a year. And their employers are spending approximately 20% of their OTE on, on healthcare. So it, just kind of understanding the utilization rate of the employer uh, of the benefits is critical for em- employers to sort of understand what is the best sort of savings or health mechanism for health savings accounts or health benefits for the employees versus someone who may have older parents, have younger kids where their, their utilization may be significantly higher. So just kind of having a better sense of uh, the employer's utilization, that also starts with data. Got it. So as we move into the next category you were talking about around onboarding, <laughs> there's been so much talk around how do you onboard people, especially being remote versus onboarding people if there's a hybrid work model right now versus onboarding people if it's in the traditional office and then what is onboarding and when does it start? Does it start when you first give the person the offer? Does it start after the offer and when the person has their first day or you're giving them gifts? I mean, there's so many things in this new modern approach to onboarding. So from a tech standpoint, what you're seeing portfolio companies doing as well as just in the general market, how are you thinking about tech really empowering companies not only to have the best onboarding process possible, but also to fit within this fluid workforce? Yeah. So I think onboarding starts with employee selection, right? So the whole recruiting cycle has also been upended. So everything from identification of the the right kind of employees across different geographies uh, in in the remote world, geographies have opened up. So if you were a company based in Minnesota, now you have access to talent in Atlanta, uh, where you may not have had that before. Um, And so as you sort of think about now incorporating and onboarding employees and vetting these employee potential candidates on a national and even international basis, uh, that becomes, uh, the employee selection becomes very critical. And, uh, and then once you sort of have these folks join your team, it becomes really critical to make sure that they have access to the right tooling um, to help them get up to speed, both on the jobs that they need to do, but also uh, 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 just from a cultural perspective, uh, be able to be able to get aligned with the mission of the company, the culture of the company as well, and like not feel that they're on, on an island uh, if they're one of the folks that sort of may not be close to the headquarters and stuff. So. On one thing that we've sort of seen in a massive way is uh, there has been a, a rise in uh, in background checks, as an example. So, in the past, when you were uh, when employers were looking at recruiting folks, they were generally pulling from their existing networks. But as the world opened up in COVID and folks had access to more uh, potential candidates. They were they started using background checks as a very low cost way of validating that the folks that they're sort of bringing on are the folks that would uh, at least be aligned with what the company is looking at doing. In addition to that, once an employee comes on board, it, it was easier. So in the past, you had you would have like a a couple day workshop to understand the different tools and. Uh, 
processes by which you uh, end up doing your job, but like you're not sitting in a room anymore. You you may have a Zoom call, but if you didn't understand how something was done, you could go to the person next to you and be like, "Hey, how's this sort of done?" That doesn't happen anymore in a remote or hybrid world, right? So. What we have sort of started seeing is like people need software that can help them understand the workflows and help them train their workflows uh, as well. So uh, one of the companies we're fortunate enough to be working with is a company called Speckit. And the reason why they're really interesting is because when a sales rep gets onboarded, they help sales reps understand the the workflow of how to um, like pull a lead, how to follow up on a lead, how to take your notes, and then different applications. If they're if one of the companies is, uh, if they're in a competitive sales process, what is the playbook uh, to uh, to compete against the the competitor? Right. So rather than you going out and like trying to ask people, hey, I'm coming up against competitor X or Y or Z, what are the things that I should be talking about? This is all embedded within their workflow and stuff. So I think that becomes those. That's a, that's a, an example of an enabling technology that uh, I think needs to exist uh, to enable flexibility as well on on the on the remote and hybrid work side. Got it. And I know that the remote workspace has been covered so much, but just from your perspective, from an investor lens, looking at what's happening in the world of remote work. Where do you still think is the most interesting space that we need to tackle when it comes to using software, again, not only to just support companies that are empowering and allowing their employees to work remotely, but also to fit within this fluid workforce? Yeah, I think generally, I I wish there was a kind of software that would solve everyone's problems across the world. But unfortunately, software is a tool and they can help it can help you do things better. So the way we sort of think about it, software needs to marry with good processes um, and and hygiene uh, and mission for the company. And an example of things that we feel are still sort of missing in the world is uh, along the lines of like, so for example, if I have a company that I started in in Utah and I'm looking to, now my employees are all over the, the country, like setting up employee basis on a national basis is not easy. Managing folks' taxes across different geographies is not easy. Um, understanding culture or managing culture and making sure everyone is talking to each other and collaborating is not easy. So just from a logistical standpoint, it becomes really challenging. On the other hand, if you force people to come back to the office, the universe of talent that you can attract also becomes smaller. And so trying to understand what are the things that you're, uh, you are okay to live with and then layering the tooling based off of the the mission and um, and how you exp- you want your culture to be within a company is going to be very critical. And it kind of start starts at the top, right? It starts with the the CEO and the CFO and the C level folks and the board, sort of like trying to understand what is the culture that that is going to embody. Um, 
the the company and the employee base and then layering on tools to almost enhance it and making sure that it's functional. Got it. And then the last thing that is really interesting and I don't think enough companies really focus on is really this idea of training your employees. We find that most companies that are doing some type of structured training is really doing a training based off of compliance, but not necessarily proactively training their workforce to think either more strategically or really creating training for your specific sales role that might not be enforced by the industry or by your company. So I'm curious from a training standpoint, and again, tying this all back to this concept of the fluid workforce, where do you see training going today? And where do you think it could potentially go in the future? Yeah, so I think training and mentoring sort of go hand in hand, right? So training is sort of like making sure you know how to do your job. And mentoring is sort of like more forward-looking and also like helping folks understand uh, planning their careers and and, uh, beyond the roles that they're in, right? So today there are training tools across the board uh, for specific tasks. I think there is a need for overall sort of like bringing this all together. As an example, there are folks that are doing training for employee security, cybersecurity, right? You've got specific companies like Speckit that are doing it for for sales. Uh, there are companies that across different uh, different uh, focuses, like you have these these training tools, I think it sort of has to be married with what's the overall vision of the company and the employees in mind from a mentoring perspective. And that's sort of where I believe um, the broader world needs to go because that exists in the traditional uh, office world. It sort of does not exist in the hybrid and virtual world. Interesting. Saad, all of this is so fascinating, and I can definitely talk to you about this all day, but I wanted to ask you if there was one thing that you wanted our audience to remember, and this could be around what you think any founders out there should build because you see it as an interesting space. This could be how you think HR leaders should think about choosing the right platform or anything else out of this interview that if they could only remember one thing, which you think would be the most important, what would it be? Yeah, I think in general, we're definitely for, for our, I guess there's a couple, uh, for our team, we're definitely excited about the innovation that's happening in the HR tech space. So if folks are looking at building new companies in the space, we're definitely open for business and investing in the space. So please come our way. Uh, secondly, I think it is really important for founders to or see the management teams of different companies to know what sort of benefits and culture they want to have within their employee base now more than ever. Um, because on the virtual side, it is, it is becomes really challenging to manage if you're not in the office and meeting employees on a day-to-day basis. So be conscious of remote work, be conscious of hybrid and be conscious of the sacrifices that, uh, you may be making if you go back to the office. Saad, thank you so much for being such an awesome guest on our podcast. We really appreciate you sharing all your insights and wisdom. 
around building and providing software to support the fluid workforce. Thanks a lot, Saad. Woo! Go, Saad! So, Saad, where can people find you and Telstra Ventures online? Yeah, you guys can reach out to us. Uh, our website is www.telstraventures.com. And my email is Saad, uh, S-A-A-D, uh, at telstraventures.com. Awesome. And we'll be sure to include all that contact info in the show notes. So for all of you awesome HR leaders out there, if you enjoyed this episode as much as Saad and I did making it, then please leave us a five-star rating wherever you leave ratings on the web. Also, if this is your very first time listening to one of our episodes, but now you're hungry for another Employee Cycle Podcast episode, please subscribe to Employee Cycle Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other major podcast platforms. And last but not least, all of you awesome people leaders and HR leaders out there, please continue to hire, train, and retain the best workforce possible. Thanks. Later, kids.